Hey everyone, welcome to No Person Name is Review Crew. Uh, this is the show where we chat about things that uh, our reviewers and editors talked about and saw over the last week or so. It's a partnership to the um, review rundown that publishes on the site. And it's also now where we decide the pick of the week for the uh, main podcast. You can find us here every Wednesday, usually at 5 p.m. Pacific, and then in your podcast feeds under the No Presidium feed. So this week on the show, we have Edward McCreese from New York City. Say hi, Ed. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. We got Patrick McLean from Chicago. Hi, folks. Always good to be here. And we've got Juliet Bennett-Ryla from Los Angeles. Hello. Um, today, we're going to start off the show. We're going to throw to uh, Patrick to uh, update us on his uh, show he talked about last week. Yeah, and in particular, uh, in regards to essentially my COVID scare that I had recently. So in case for those who did not listen last week or this is your very first time listening, uh, welcome, though I would recommend listening to the main podcast before listening to a review crew uh, episode. No offense to any of us. Uh, I attended a show in Cleveland where uh, it was an hour-long experience where uh, an audience of 10 uh, went on a essentially a dark ride journey, uh, and it was split up into two groups. So five people essentially took one path, and five took another. 30 minutes of it was outside, and then another 30 minutes was inside, though typically when, when we were inside, except at the very end, you were either in a one-on-one -on -one interaction with a performer or in a very small group setting with a performer and maybe one or two other audience members. And uh, I we promptly, I saw that show on Saturday, the, sorry folks, uh, the tenth. I saw that Saturday, the tenth of July, and then uh, we were alerted. Uh, the producers d truly acting in everyone's best interest and doing rightfully what they should had been informed that an audience member who was in that showing, um, who was fully vaccinated, um, tested positive for COVID nineteen, um, and you know they were doing their due diligence to inform me. So then on day seven of exposure, which would have been July seventeenth, I went and got tested. The next day, I was informed that I too have tested negative. And additionally, there was a performer we were infor uh, informed who had a one on one engagement with this uh, audience member who. Uh, tested positive and that performer thankfully uh, also as well has tested negative so it seems to be the best case scenario for the situation and it is currently day 11 since the exposure for myself and I still am experiencing no symptoms I feel completely fine and, and frankly between a negative test on day seven and still feeling good I feel very confident that uh you know I have no issues and I'm going to be a-okay Yay. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Um, has this kind of affected like what how you feel about doing in person shows right now? Um, I know everything's kind of like ever shifting. Like Los Angeles is back under a mask mandate for for anything indoors right now. So I think that that would I think affect how I think about some shows. So I don't 
you had something much different than that. Um, Yes, and unfortunately it has, I will admit that once again, of no one's fault uh, that it's except maybe society, uh, that I I am soured a little bit in in attending in-person events at this time. Uh, There was a lot of kind of like immersive adjacent stuff that I had been kind of clued into recently, some local escape rooms doing original things. and so on and so forth. And frankly, I'm, yes, I am a little hesitant to go anywhere with very large audience. I mean, like, I, I think about last week when, Kevin, you talked about attending Brass Roots, and that was outside, and there was at least 100 people at your performance. And, you know, we're all taking rolls of the dice collectively, and we do need to be getting over this. But uh, at this point, you know, unless it's truly within our mandate 110%, uh, I am going to be very much more slow to attend. But that said, I'm an adult, uh, and you know, we we can't we can't just sit around and not let things happen. So I think it's for better or worse, you know, like the ownership is falling to people to ensure that they are safe so like moving forward if people reach out locally in the area i might ask some very pointed questions up front moving forward right like what are you what are we actively doing how are we ensuring people are vaccinated uh if they are you know if if someone is just non-stop coughing during a performance uh, what uh, what is your safety procedure to eject them things like that just being pointed and then frankly uh, just wearing a mask more generally, though here in Chicago, just today, I went for a walk to get a little exercise before the pandemic, just to get some uh, the podcast, the pandemic, uh, to get some fresh air. And I, I've seen, I'm not sure about you all, because, you know, Julia and Kevin, you're in L, uh, LA and Edward, you're in New York. Uh, I've seen an uptick in people wearing masks again in public spaces, just walking around on the street. So I... I also suspect that I am not alone in this thinking of just going a little, going the extra step to be a little more protective and a little more mindful of where I am and what I'm doing and who who I'm interacting with. Yeah, I think that's something we've seen in LA too. Is like even when the the mandate lifted for indoor stuff, a lot of people had kept masks on. I mean, a good chunk didn't, but um, I think we've seen some of that caution. I think it's is different when you're like in an immersive show and you're like. Right up in people's faces too, and, and, and in small rooms, and like that intimacy is part of the point. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how that kind of continues here too. I think you, you brought up brass roots too, and actually they did an interesting thing where you had to show your vaccine card or a picture of your vaccine card to get into the show. You had to wear a mask, um, even though it was outdoors. Was there anything like that around for the show you attended? Uh, there was like for... proving your vaccination? No, they, they were following the CDC guidelines. Uh, and as as we all know, at, as of this recording, the CDC says, if you are fully vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask for any reason. Um, and I'm, tr- I'm desperately trying to not be political about this, right? Um, so I think in that sense, I think, you know, I think it's just gotten to the point where I think collectively we all should be questioning that guidance because uh, in that sense like i'm I, I i can't be upset as i said with anyone or have any concerns with anything because it we i presume all of us on this panel are science believing people and if the science says we are safe 
you can't pick and choose. Like we we are safe, right? Like it's all it's an all or nothing sum game. Now, can science fail and be incorrect? Sure, but ultimately, if you believe it, you believe it, and I do. And so so did the company, and everything was followed, and um, they ensured that all their performers were vaccinated. Um, so you weren't ever interacting with someone who wasn't. So, um, I don't have a good answer for you, right? So I guess it's the sense of like we're 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 all following the the rules as required. And I guess the question is, are these rules sufficient? I think it's just it's really fantastic to hear your these thoughts on it. I mean. I think going forward for all creators, for all producers, this just becomes an extra part of the planning process, right? I mean, so far we should, all, every producer should have health and safety mechanisms in place for uh, car safety, for making sure that there are no situations where one-on-ones go sour, all that sort of stuff, and, and making sure that we're preventing any sort of harassment. Um, and this is obviously just a, a, another step in that direction, another um, thing for producers to keep in mind. Um, when it did happen, how were you reached out to? Did, did that did that process work for you personally, Patrick? Do you think? Yes, it did. That you, well, and I, but I mean, let's be th- thankful because the person who attended, who at the time might, was not presenting symptoms or anything, in came down with symptoms, got tested, and then informed everyone accordingly. I mean, so in many ways, very, I'm very thankful to that person too for going above and beyond to ensure that it seems I have tested positive. You know, I need to go back to the last, you know, 14 days and retrace my step and get contact. And the producers of the show immediately got in contact with us as soon as they know. So that sense, it did work. And while I, I, I do agree that, you know, unf- we do all need to be doing more, but I, I, I'm so resonant to say like all shows, even with my scare, I, it's very unfortunate that we have to put this on producers and we have to put this on shows, that they have to go above and beyond to ensure the safety and protection of everyone. And I, I think to your point, Edward, I think you're right. Like that's something we have to do. It's just very disappointing that they're being made to do it, right? Like that the system of everyone going to get vaccinations to ensure that we are out of this sooner rather than later is not working. And there's further burdens on, you know, performers, uh, small businesses, restaurants, like the list can go on and on, right? Yeah. And it's just like unfortunate situations that we're all kind of stuck in now. Um, And I think, even though it felt like things were getting better, we are just like, it is just kind of the reality for probably considerably longer than I think we'd hoped or had thought. And uh, just going to have to keep dealing with it, fortunately. All right. And then I think, Patrick, um, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to kind of hear kind of a, a perspective like that um, about these shows, too. And we try to get that out there. Uh, and then we'll, I think we'll stick with you. I think you were going to cover some VR piece. Yeah, absolutely. So I am covering, um, uh, I recently had the opportunity to play Madrid Noir. Uh, this was actually been they made its debut last month in the middle of June as part of the Tribeca Film Festival. It was one of the entries. And um, it was actually reviewed on our site 
uh, on our site by Catherine Yu, our executive editor, who really loved this piece and even did a Q&A that is available on the website for people to read that with the creators where she asked some really great questions. And uh, Madrid Noir is from, uh, developed by No Ghost and was produced by Atlas Five, where you are um, the friend of Lola, who is a woman returning to Madrid to clean out the apartment of her uncle, who you come to learn she had a falling out with because he seemed to be involved in some very shady business. But of course, like many things, as she unearths the memories and retells you the experience, she also discovers new things and uh maybe there's even a few clues or two left along the way to point her in a new direction to get her understanding um it's about a 45 minute long experience uh i think probably at the most if you're really kind of taking your time to soak in atmosphere and you know prolong the few moments of character interaction and it it, it does a really kind of interesting thing where it it's a mash of different kind of forms. So basically, generally, you are standing and you're stationary, but uh, at times you're either in the uh, the uncle's apartment with Lola as she's cleaning it out and having these moments of physical interaction, like, "Hey, can you go put that away? Can you open those drawers?" Things like that. And then when she gets into retelling her time spent in childhood with her uncle. It's this theatrical staging, and what I mean by that is that you're, you know, you're looking ahead, and 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 thus appears a literally like a stage. It's like an actual like the the raises up a little bit. It looks like you know like flat walls, and there's set dressing, and it's like you know it's her as a young child, and she's recounting the experiences engaging in there, and then it leads into a few moments of interactivity of being her like you know oh i was very suspicious where my uncle was going and having received a camera from him i decided to start photography taking photos of him at night as he left the building so then you're her with a camera and you can look you hold the camera up which switches to like the lens view and you can snap photos of your uncle on the street as he interacts with various people and objects and stuff like that and so it bounces around and Story-wise and uh, tonally, this is a really awesome experience. Uh, this is this is everything that you know the power of VR and what it can do for immersive storytelling. The music is stunning. The perspective and the environments are rich and lush. Um, lighting is used to such a wonderful effect in this, like very mood based like you know like at one point you're underground and the train tracks are the trains going overhead so there's like the flashes of light of like you know the uh train going by and it you know things go in and out of the darkness as it goes by and it just truly lives up to the noir name of it and i really enjoyed that aspect of it a lot um it, that's yeah. oh, go ahead how else like kind of other than light, like the lighting and stuff and the the tone does it capture like that kind of noir feel or is that mostly in like kind of the tone of the piece well it's in the tone of the piece and there are a few moments in the as Lola, as i said you're taking photos so you're like watching your uncle from a distance there's at one point there's like a chase sequence and uh 
it is a little unclear whether you're Lola or the police chasing your uncle, but you have a flashlight and you're like trying to like, what's that sound? And you like take the flashlight and you light it up and there he is climbing over a fence before he falls to the other side. And then maybe he's running across the street uh, and there's further other information like that. But it's definitely uh, conveyed through kind of atmosphere like signs. There's like neon signs and stuff like that. It's definitely the environment does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, but th that said, though, I, 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 Catherine, as I said, really loved this piece and really enjoyed it. And I think it has a lot of good going for it. But that said, I, I do disagree with the staging element of it. I think, and this is a problem that a lot of VR experiences have, a lot of narrative VR experiences where it's that capturing that cinematic element. Because while I thought the idea to heighten perspective to like make it look like a, a very stylized play setting like you were watching a play unfold at certain times it was still just staring straight ahead uh and i think this is a problem that happens with a lot of vr where we you can look around right you can look around in 360 degree uh direction but ultimately so many VR narrative experiences force you to stare straight ahead for key moments. And I, it, it doesn't, it didn't work for me. The best times were when I was in the apartment with Lola in the present day and she'd be like, Oh, Hey, look at this postcard. And she would actually like lean in close to, you know, me and my headset. And I would find myself just instinctually like leaning in, looking over her shoulder to look at the postcard where I felt like a lot of the passive stuff was just like, it's, it's a nice change to like convey dramatic narrative storytelling in a very heightened stylized way, but it still very, feels very removed. And it's just not one that like does what VR can do then kind of like, right. And that that's, point. that's, yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's like the limitation of the art form currently is that, and I'm playing a different game, a, a horror game right now. And this, and whether I read it, a review about it, or an article where they pointed out, or I've seen it in effect, but like, there's times where you go into a room and you trigger the cutscene, the video game cutscene. But it's very, they talk about it's very hard to do because it's like, well, the person could be looking anywhere. Technically, I could turn my back on the action and not watch any of it. I could just stare in the other direction in VR and look at, you know, just kind of what's the background that's behind me that doesn't need to really be looked at, right? So I think, you know, as maybe more and more people get situated and engaged with VR and storytelling, maybe we can find a way to allow them to be in the moment at 360 degrees rather than trying to force perspective for a majority of the narrative. We can tell them, okay, listen, you're, you've done this before, follow the action, be engaged. You know, uh, I, I'm very curious to see it. And I think Madrid Noir really took a step in the right direction to solve this problem, but it is still an issue the medium has when telling stories. That's that's interesting because I really wouldn't have like considered that as I don't have a VR headset or anything or we kind of like do VR stuff that I would have thought it would have been more interested in like taking advantage, but I think that's uh it's odd to learn that there's like that kind of limitation in the 
present things. Well, but yeah, but there's there's different ways to do it. I guess in that sense, there's there's other experiences um, where while you know while you might be narratively staring straight ahead for a while, um, you can still like have a lot of stuff that is going on in regards to it. I'm thinking of the line. I'm not sure if anybody on the panel knows this or sees this, but really briefly, basically it's like when you're watching, you, you, you've walked up to a table and it's like um, essentially like, you know, like a train track, like an old school train track model, but there's like figurines and stuff. So you hit a button and you have the action occur and then the person goes around the table and you look around and you follow the action, right? So, and while you're still stationary and ultimately just kind of staring straight ahead, the design of the table being larger than it could be in real life is an effect, right? Like I'm looking around, I follow the action in almost a 360 degree fashion. It's just not like, look here, focus here. It's like, follow the action, move, have some slight movement, engage with the power of the medium. So I think there, but that's also on a very small scale what the line does. Um, so it's it's just a very kind of interesting thing. I think that the, as I said, that hopefully the medium will figure out. And while I ultimately at the end of the day, Madrid Noir, it's great. The story is there. It's very emotionally engaging. The, when the interaction happens with the characters, it's rewarding. It's of the world. You feel like you're part of it. Though unfortunately for some of it, you are just sit, standing there passively watching it occur. Thanks for sharing about that one. Um, of course. Let's uh, turn it over to Edward. Okay, well, uh, by contrast, uh, the show I'm going to talk about was an in-person uh, show here in New York City. Um, I'm talking about the show Endure, um, uh, otherwise known as a run-woman show, uh, a pun on the classic one-woman show uh, staple of New York City, uh, which, of course, is something which has happened here for a long, long time. Um, this is a show... Uh, taking place in Central Park, um, right in the middle of uh, Manhattan, uh, 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 founded by uh, Melanie Jones, who has been running um, different iterations of the show for the past 10 years. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get to see this uh, the other week. And this really was a fantastic uh, piece of immersive theater. Um, I was blown away by this show because of its simplicity. Um, I, I don't know how, how the rest of you feel, but sometimes you see a show or you see a movie or an idea and you're like, how did no one think of this first? Like, how has this not already been done? It's so simple, but it worked so perfectly. So um, endure, uh, you follow uh, a runner. It's as simple as that. You are uh, invited to follow a runner as she is uh, training for a marathon. Uh, and you follow her on her run around uh, Central Park and you are listening to her inner monologue, her inner thoughts and feelings about training, about what's convincing her to why is she doing this marathon uh, and some of the story that got her to where she is right now. Um, the the uh, technical side of it is that we uh, all of the audience members are given um, headphones and given, uh, it's actually just an iPod shuffle uh, at the beginning, no no crazy technology, just an iPod shuffle when uh, it, it was all synchronized all together. So uh, as you follow around the park, um, the, for, 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 for me, our performer, uh, her name was uh, Katie Howes. Uh, there are a couple of different options there. 
but she will stop and she'll uh, she'll maybe dance or she might monologue at us. Obviously not speaking out loud, but uh, the the synchronization with the audio uh, really was fantastic. So some really really meaningful um, and very very clever uh, storytelling. Um, it gets uh, it gets personal and it gets dark uh, throughout there. There's a, a lot of backstory uh, as to, to some of the uh, the character development of the uh, unnamed runner, um, but it just draws you in in such a delightful way. Uh, in the same way that we have a show like Sleep No More, um, if you've ever been, uh, the, the whole thing there is that people are running around that building um, and it's because you don't want to miss out. It's like something's happening, so you've got to chase. And they are clear that for, for this show, you don't have to run, you don't have to follow closely. But you, I found myself absolutely giving chase 100%. As soon as she started running, I was like, well, I have to be right there. I have to be right there to see what happens. Um, and it's a show where you are in control of the cinematography, if that makes sense. You are your own camera. You're your own director. Um, there's no agency as far as we don't change the story. We don't change the audio, obviously. Um, but having those moments of... Um, either being the one person who's next to her, or perhaps she'll turn and she'll, she's thinking about something and she directs that attention at you. Um, really beautiful. It's really simple. Uh, like I said, it's a simple show in a lot of ways, but it really is a fantastic example of great immersive theater. Um, it's been 10 years in the running. The show's been run in places uh, all around uh, the world. It was at the Edinburgh Fringe for a while, uh, but really uh, I think Central Park is an amazing home for it. Um, Obviously, New York has uh, is an amazing backdrop, is an amazing set, and so uh, other people are all around us, but at the same time, are nothing to do with us. If that makes sense, it's it's quite bizarre. You're in this crowded, crowded park with families and everybody hanging out, but I was completely absorbed and involved in this story and following uh, this runner the whole way through. Uh, by the end, it's a poignant moment where she starts to run laps around us, and then gradually the laps get larger and larger and larger until suddenly she just disappears and she runs off into into the rest of the park. And it's one of those beautiful moments of just looking around and realizing that everybody has their own story, their own running uh, narrative that they have, if, they, if that makes sense. And so, just a really beautiful, uh, poignant show, um, and it's one that. Uh, I went along with my wife, and and it, it certainly was the, the right kick up the butt to get back into running. Um, so if nothing else, it succeeded in that. But a really exquisite show. Um, I hope I explained it, it well enough. But uh, yeah, I would heavily, heavily recommend this to anyone who's in New York City right now. Um, get a ticket. Run. Don't walk. Go and get a ticket as quick as you can. Uh, it's it's truly beautiful. I have a question. Speaking of running. Uh, as someone who would probably, probably the last time I ran was to make sure the ice cream didn't melt, uh, when I left the refrigerator door open, uh, like, but wait, by running, do you mean like truly like sprint marathon and like getting out in there or can you really, is it like this, like, like jogging, I guess in that sense, it's just like define running please right and then actually i kind of want to follow up on patrick's question too um so he maybe answer them at the same time is you mentioned that you don't have to run and how does the the show play if you kind of aren't keeping up with yeah. it so to speak 
So uh, great questions, because the reason it works is because of the very uh, smart teamwork that the, that the show are doing. Uh, obviously, there's a performer, and that's who you're following the whole time. But there were two or three other volunteers, other runners who were wearing separate shirts, who were at the tail end of uh, the pack. So there was always a way. I'm sure the, the team have a very clever system of making sure that they know exactly how far they are. Um, when I say running, she's jogging, she's jog running, um, but it's cleverly done so that she might run for a little while, but then she'll stop. So uh, the people who aren't running can catch up. Or perhaps she might run in a way where she runs in a, a, a big loop, but if you were walking, you'd see that actually she's just going in a straight line. So, so it, there are ways to cut around it. Um, just speaking of that, the, the creative team uh, around it are part and parcel of it. Um, so for instance, she, she has... Uh, water bottles that she'll drop them and and the the team are there to help that and help guide those who uh don't want to run who want to jog alongside or who, who want to walk um the really really nice touch and and this is one that i think is a beautiful thing is that you're given your program right at the beginning of the show uh, but it's given to you in the form of the runner's bib uh it, you are given it with the little um safety pins and they ask you to pin it to your top so you you are part of the running crew and immediately you're part of this marathon training or, or whatever you, you want to call it um and then on the flip side is the program for afterwards uh, which is just a really nice little design touch which i really uh, really enjoyed so it is a show where you don't have to run i would encourage if you are able to then it, it's it's that thing of the more that you give into the show the more that you'll get out of it um just some moments of of feeling like it really is just the two of you running. Um, for me, there was a, it was a group of around 10, 10 or 11. Again, they had uh, they had a system where they asked everybody to show their vaccine cards. And if you had a vaccine card, your bib uh, had a sticker on it. So the performers knew, the stage managers or whatever you want to call them, everybody was able to tell who had already been vaccinated and how to keep distance. And obviously we were also recommended, just take your time, take, take some space from each other uh, as best as you can. So. They they had those sort of systems in place, which I think uh, think was a really smart way of doing it. Yeah, I think it's like it's cool because I'm a runner too, so I think it's like it's one of those things I wish more shows would almost take advantage of because it's so so kind of immersive. I think to kind of be part of that chase, like you mentioned, like it's it is a big part of like no more and something like this. It sounds like just a cool idea. Um, to do. It, exactly. It really is so simple. Like that's the thing I was like coming away from. It, like, why have like why have I not seen this before? Like it's so simple, but it's so beautiful. And uh, like I said, I mean, not going too deep into the story, but but for the, this this runner, she uh, had a relationship which failed, and and that relationship and how that's 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 affecting her. And why is she running? Is she running because of that? Is she running away from that? I mean, it's all that sort of stuff. And there's a beautiful narrative and and the the poetry of the um, of the uh, the script is is really lovely, um, and there's some really nice poignant moments, uh, like I say, um, and moments of, of reflection. It's not all running the whole time. It it really is a, a, a run for a little bit and then a stop, and then the performer might stop and do a, a more reflective moment here or there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very very clever, just in it just in its simplicity. Uh, the other show which everybody should see if you're coming to New York, uh, hey, let the New York team. Uh, no, and we'd be more than happy to tell you about it, uh, what's going on. But the other one that everybody says is Her Long Black Hair, which is uh, another uh, pod play, which takes place in uh, Central Central Park. And that, that predates Sleep No More, that predates Then She Fell. Uh, that's a fantastic piece. Uh, it's just a pod play uh, by Janet Cardiff, I believe. 
Um, and this really felt like an extension of that because whereas that was a pod play, which is which you can do at any time of the year, which is wonderful, everybody should do it. Here we had the same idea and the same uh, narrative given to us through the audio, but because there was a performer, um, literally to give chase to, um, it just made it feel so much more uh, exciting to be part of the part of the journey. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I hadn't heard that other show, but I think it's like. It's always cool when I think any kind of immersive thing pushes you out into the the city to see it in a different way that like you haven't seen before, even if you've lived there for a long time or a short time or whatever. It's it's always nice to uh, I think experience it kind of from a different perspective or to incorporate your city into like a show. Um, it's always fun. Absolutely. I mean, Central Park is is unique. It is stunning and beautiful. And the fact that you you have that as your backdrop, that's your set. I mean, you, there's no budget you could make to make a set for any show that would be as amazing and unique and bizarre as Central Park uh, or as New York City or as whatever city you're in. So I think um, that would be one thing I, I would, again, push to, to people out there who are creators out there, like think about how you can get out into the city rather than bringing people into spaces, particularly right now. And uh, I've been following on from Patrick's conversation here about uh, this COVID protocols and things, rather than bringing people in, why don't we go out more and really using that space? Obviously still be safe. Please make sure you follow protocols, make sure you get the right um, permits and things if you're doing things out in public. Um, but it's a great solution. Like it's a great way of like, hey, we still want to do shows, we still want to tell stories, and we're going to do it in a way where people can take more distance, take more time if they need it, um, but you're also so blessed with an amazing uh, backdrop. So, yes, and uh, the show is running to, uh, through August. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody hears about this show, and I don't see any reason why the show couldn't run in September, October, November, December. Um, running through Central Park and, and seeing like this marathoner's journey of like, oh, having to do the training, even the days when it's not so good, um, I think it would be beautiful. So I think anybody who can see the show, if you're in New York, please, please, please uh, pick up a ticket. It, for me, this has been the highlight of, of the year. Uh, it's right up there with uh, immersive experiences that I've seen in New York. So um, huge kudos to the team. Um, a beautiful story. And uh, yeah, highly recommended. Thanks, Edward. Um, yeah, if someone's in New York, that sounds cool. If I'm there and it's still running, I just want to check it out. All right, um, and now let's head over to Los Angeles and Juliet. So, yes, welcome to Los Angeles, where, as mentioned earlier, masks are back, um, which I am going to talk about a little bit with this show. So the show is called Every Day I'll Hope. And it comes from Siobhan O'Laughlin. I believe that's how you say her last name. And it takes place in a recording studio. And it's very, very intimate, but it's also very small. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting setup. I decided not to read anything about the show at all before I went, just so I could just have no spoilers whatsoever. And uh, you're basically going to this recording studio to meet... A woman named Bambi who that's who Siobhan plays and she is some sort of TikTok superstar e-girl maybe more of a soft girl I'm not really <laughs> super well versed in those subcultures but um she's on TikTok and she's a gamer and she likes a lot of nerd stuff and she's just got this big personality 
and you are there to help her record her audiobook. So from the moment you get there, it is just assumed that you are some sort of voice actor and you do this all the time and you're familiar with how this whole thing works. Um, so when you get into the studio, the way that it's set up is Bambi is the audio engineer. So she's on one side and she is separated from you, you know, with this partition. So you never really interact with her face to face. But you are in an audio booth with three other audience members. And obviously that's a very small indoor space um, and you're all mic'd and you have headphones on because obviously you're helping her record her book. Um, and the way that we did it was, it was midnight of that, or technically 11.59 of that night was when the mask mandate came back for us. So we were in a weird limbo where we could choose to wear masks or not. Um, the four people in my group, I knew two of them, we all knew we had been vaccinated. We elected to take our masks off. Um, I think that was fine. Um, I'm curious about how that's gonna work when the masks are on. Um, really quick, Juliet, if, I, if you don't mind me asking, was that where, did you guys, the audience just collectively make that decision or was that a conversation with the production team and the performer and all of that in, in the night of when you guys arrived? So it is an audience choice. Um, there are only four audience members. So mm -hmm. what they did, um, they had everyone close their eyes and anyone who wanted, who felt more comfortable if everyone was masked would raise their hand. I guess in our group, no one did. Um, I, I kind of like that. I like that it's anonymous. I like that there's no, I guess, room for um, feeling embarrassed if you feel like you still want to keep your mask on. I feel like everyone, I feel like most people who go to theater shows like this um, would err on the side of making people feel comfortable. I don't think anyone would get in someone's face and say like, oh, I don't want to wear a mask um, in this environment. But I do like that, that, that you have the option to be anonymous just in case you're feeling, I don't know, um, a little self-conscious about wanting to still wear it. Um, but everyone in our group made the choice to not wear the mask. Um, and now, of course, moving forward until LA changes direction, um, you will have to wear a mask in an indoor space. So that's not even a choice you have. Um, so from there, you get in this space and Bambi's just like, she's this force of personality. She's on TikTok all the time. She's got glitter on her face. She's wearing this really crazy outfit. Um, she definitely lets you know how many, like she has a lot of followers and she's got a manager and her whole life is wrapped up in, in this, this cult of personality. Uh, the only problem is she has not written her audiobook yet. And so what you're actually there to do is kind of be her, her muse. Um, and the way she does it is she does have you record a few lines, but she starts asking really intimate and very personal questions. Um, and she doesn't really quit um, instantly. So she might ask you something really personal and you might say, oh, I'm feeling really lonely. And then she's going to ask you why. And, you know, she doesn't pry in a way that I would consider insensitive. But even in my small group, I feel like she got really deep. Um, and I feel like part of that happened because we were four people in a very small, intimate space. It just felt like a comfortable place to share. Um, which is why I'm curious about the masks, because I feel like maybe when you have the masks on, you feel you feel less intimate or maybe you feel more anonymous. So so you still feel comfortable sharing. I don't know. 
Um, and that's sort of interspersed with Bambi sharing pieces of herself where she kind of goes off script and she's no longer being this personality. She's being who she really is. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of it, you realize you're helping her create this thing. And, and it and it's really hard to describe, like, how it wraps because it's it seems so dependent on what you say. Like, she doesn't keep your recordings forever, but she does incorporate them into the show. So you really build... You're really building the narrative with her. Um, and I, I was surprised to like it as much as I did because, like I said, I didn't read anything about it going into it. And just based on the, the photo of the character, I thought it was going to be like maybe some performance art or something that didn't really have much of a narrative. Like, I just really wasn't sure what I was getting into, but I found myself really enjoying it. Bambi was funny and the people telling the stories were funny, but they were also very personal and very intimate. Um, and she interspersed that with her own stories, and it, and it really humanized her in a way that maybe was the point. Um, I think a lot of times we can look at people who are on the internet, and they're just like all out there all the time, and um, they just don't seem like a real person in some ways. And then you know you you peel back that layer, and you're like, no, this is a real person. Like this 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 person is the same as anyone who creates something. Um, and that's what I really liked about it was just how humanizing it was. And I, I think anyone who's a creator of any kind can go in there and relate to her, whether you're trying to write a book or do a show or music or whatever. Uh, and I like that she picked a TikTok creator because I feel like <laughs> I feel like sometimes we get in this mindset of, of not recognizing that that does take a lot of work to be a personality online. And, you know, the comment section of anything is horrible. And, and it doesn't matter if you're like an online journalist or a TikTok star, like you have to deal with that. And how does that affect your mindset? And um yeah, overall, it was just like a really humanizing, intimate, and genuinely at times funny experience. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that I went. Juliet, did you see um, Siobhan's uh, Brigham Bone Bathtub before? No, um, there were a couple times when I had wanted to, to check it out and it just never worked out timing wise for me. So this was actually the first piece of hers that I'd been able to see. Excellent. Just because that's, that's that's perfect, actually, because Siobhan is she is a fantastic performer. If, if if people listening haven't seen her work, she she really is truly fantastic. She just for me, she just feels so risky because the show just feels like it will either work or not work, so dependent on the audience. And that was the the case for Broken Bone. Uh, obviously, she has her story and she has her point she has to hit, but it sounds like here uh, for this one as well. Like if the four people in the recording booth aren't going to play they don't want to play ball the show just doesn't work so I, I was just wondering did you sense that she was I mean obviously she's in control but did you feel those moments where she was in control and perhaps could you speak about the tone a little bit as well like because it, it sounds very interesting and I can see this either being quite dark or being like the complete opposite so where where did that fit if that makes sense I mean it did get at times really dark not so much her um, you know, like sh her, her narrative is both light and dark. She's got these aspirations and then she's also got a lot of self-doubt and, um, there's a lot of inherent loneliness, um, in her situation, you know, she lives in a studio. She makes a reference to a partner that is no longer with her. Um, you know, she's, it feels almost like she's got a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, do I deserve to be this person that people follow? Um, but some of the ways that she expresses herself and how she's feeling are very funny. And I don't, I don't want to give that away, but 
she doesn't just complain at you or sob at you. Like there are a lot of cues that she does really well to let you know when she's joking around or when she's sort of um, fronting in a way. Um, but where the where the darkness really comes in is is where people take it. Um, I'm not going to share any of the secrets that were spilled in the sound booth just because I feel like that was an intimate and closed space. But there were people who shared things that were, you know, um, I guess like they, they shared moments where they felt at their lowest and they also shared a lot of aspirations that they have. Um, the pandemic came up at first. I wasn't sure. Like she had asked me if I was good at lifting heavy things because uh, I, I had mentioned that I was moving and I was not at that point sure if we were in a world where the pandemic existed. And I was like, oh, I used to be, but there was like a really long period of time where I didn't work out or anything. So now I'm a lot weaker than I used to be. Um, but then later people started talking about their experiences during the pandemic, which as I'm sure we can all attest, were pretty isolating and scary at times. And then it was like, oh, okay, like we're in this world. We're talking about what really happened to us just now. Um, and you know, it's, it's definitely where you want to take it. Um, like at one point she asked if we were mostly optimistic or mostly pessimistic. And I feel like if you're truly just this bubbly optimist, like where you're taking it is in a different direction than someone who um, is dealing with anxiety or depression or trauma. So I think for her, the tone is always going to be kind of a balance of light and dark, but I think tonally speaking, the audience is really going to drive where that goes after that. And you mentioned that it's like with, you knew a few people in your show, like, do you think it would play differently if it was four strangers in that booth or is like how important is like that kind of intimacy to the, to the show and where she goes? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I was in the booth with one person that I know very well, one person that I know most, mostly online, um, given the state of the world being mostly online in the past year and a half, and one person that I had never met before. But she knew the person that I was an acquaintance to. So everyone kind of had, um, they either knew each other or they knew each other through degrees. Um, I could see that having played differently with strangers who are not going to reveal um, extremely personal details about themselves, but I could also see it working with strangers who feel more comfortable sharing uh, extremely intimate details with people that they think they're never going to see again. So I feel like she set the tone. She set the, the tone for us to do that. You know, her character is doing that. Her character is opening up. And it's also just kind of a very relaxing space. I personally feel really safe in smaller spaces and a recording booth is ideal for me. So, I mean, I was already always always primed to feel very comfortable there um yeah i i feel like i probably would have shared the exact same amount if i didn't know anybody um but i, I guess i can't speak for the other people i could definitely see it going both ways depending on whether you're someone who is uh more inclined to share with people that you've never met because you know you don't have any shame in front of them or if you're more comfortable around people that you do know it just, it sounds delightful. And I, I love when immersive shows allow the audience members to be themselves and that's okay. Like it, it's, I think it's easy for us to come up with um, things where you, you need to be performative or you need to be um, in the LARP world, for instance, where you are assigned a role specifically, right? And here you're assigned a role as like, you're part of this journey. Like you're gonna, you are gonna help with this audio book, which like that sounds like such a hilarious premise already. 
but how beautiful for them for people to be themselves and like you say all this stuff like it's coming out of pandemic coming out of that world of like having chances for people to share some of that in a in a show and to reflect on that it, it's that it, this is the stuff where immersive is unique like you can't get this on on broadway you can't get this with movies you can't get this with games uh as and even vr stuff as great that as that is this is where that personal one-on-one uh or audience and one um relationship just shines through it just sounds it sounds absolutely delightful yeah i really enjoyed it um you know, I think it runs about an hour, and I think that's the perfect time. I think any longer, and it would sort of drag, like, you know, like, it's about as long as a therapy session, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and, yeah, it's just really, it's really pleasant in that you're just kind of sitting in this space and vibing with other people. Um, and, she, you know, she does assign you a role at the beginning, because you have to fit in the archetypes of her of her audiobook you know there's the hero and the villain and the love interest and the sidekick but um you're not you're not confined to those roles at all like it kind of goes wherever you want it to go and it's that's pretty interesting i really enjoyed it i think anybody who's kind of like craving one of those um intimate uh where you kind of walk out feeling like you went to a support group or you went to therapy or you went to a meditation session like that's the kind of feeling I, it had for me um you know, it's not puzzles, it's not figuring something out, there's not, um, you're not moving around, but it's just kind of, uh, it's just really nice. Cool. Thanks for covering that one. Um, and now it's time of the show as we kind of head towards wrap-up here. Um, we'll use these shows to make the pick of the week for this week on the main podcast. If anyone has any last arguments or points they want to make about their show or questions for anybody else, uh, now's the time. I just, I, I find it fascinating that we, the three shows that we're talking about here, like they're, they're so contrasted uh, in their own ways. I think it's great that we, we have that mix of um, VR, uh, which is predetermined and is there for you. We have an audio play, which is there, but it's out in space and, and you have all of that. And then we have a far more intimate show. Uh, obviously mine is the best, uh, obviously. Uh, we're here in New York. Uh, we have to have some attitude about it. Um, no, I think that this is such a fascinating discussion, and it's always great to hear about what's going out, going on in the rest of uh, rest of the country. Uh, I should have said the run uh, for us is about seventy five minutes. It says about five k, uh, which I think is is maybe uh, maybe a, a little strong, but that's the run time. If you will uh, forgive the pun on that one, um, but points. yeah, so many, so many. Uh, it really was. Uh, beautiful show, and it had the same that same sense that you were talking about, Julia, of, of that idea of it's not therapy, but that beautiful self-reflective moment. Um, but you were able to do it in an experience where, even though I was part of the journey, I didn't have agency, and I couldn't affect her story. I couldn't change her mind. Uh, I couldn't uh, change where the narrative was going, but um, still had that sense of uh, collective um, wonder, I suppose, at the end of the show. But uh, yeah. Right. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll call that uh, this week. You can always find us here on Wednesday evenings in the Discord. And then I'm not sure what day we actually publish into the podcast feed, but you can find us on the No Person Name podcast feed as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you, Kevin.